0: Today, we are looking in the book of Jonah, chapter number 2. The book of Jonah, chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, from, the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Father, I thank you for the word of God today. It indeed is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I just pray, Lord, once again, that the anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you will give us ears upon our heart today. Lord, that we will hear, but not only hear, but we will heed the word of the Lord today. Father, let every need be met in this house. Use your word in an incredible way today, we ask. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. This past Sunday, we began a journey through the book of Jonah. In chapter 1, we discovered God's call on Jonah's life. The call to go to Nineveh, a very large, intimidating, and wicked city. But God told Jonah to go there and God told Jonah to preach his wrath, his judgment upon this city. Now, for various reasons, Jonah didn't like the assignment that God had given to him. And and so instead of going to Nineveh, he boarded the love boat. (laughs) And he decided to take a cruise and have a little R&R. And so he he, he takes a cruise heading on down to Tarshish in in the opposite direction of where he's supposed to go. God sees what? Jonah is doing, and God says, oh, oh, no, you don't, Jonah. No, not going to happen. I said Nineveh, and Nineveh is where you're going to go. And the Bible says that God sent a great storm, and, and the storm nearly topples the ship over. After Jonah confesses to being the reason for the storm, the Bible says that eventually the sailors take Jonah and throw him, literally toss him out of the ship. And the Bible says that as soon as Jonah was thrown overboard, that the storm was over. The Bible goes on to say that that God had prepared a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And the Bible said that Jonah spent the next three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. And now, page two. Chapter 2 opens up with these words. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Good idea. (laughs) Today we're going to take a look at at Jonah's prayer that is found in chapter number 2. And in this prayer that Jonah prays from the Fish's belly. I see see three things in his prayer. And those are the three things I want us to talk about today. First of all, I want us to notice the cause of his prayer. The cause of his prayer. And, And let me suggest that the first cause of Jonah's prayer was habit. Habit. See, Jonah was a prophet. He was a man of God. Prayer was part of his daily routine. You see, all true men of God make prayer a priority. So, so the first thing that Jonah did was pray. The, the first words out of the mouth of, of this man was was a prayer. It was a cry for help. Verse 2 says he says, I, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. I suggest that his cry was a cry of desperation. That 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 it was an urgent cry. Oh, oh! Listen, he knew that the situation that it was that he was in would require divine intervention. Several years ago, now I was I was driving down into Paladuro Canyon near Amarillo. It was winter time. There was snow and ice on the roads. And all of a sudden, I, I, I hit a slick spot, and all of a sudden, my car started spinning around and around and totally out of control. And I was headed toward a cliff. And immediately, I cried out, Jesus, Jesus! Jesus! My car stopped. Literally a few feet from the cliff. I totally believe that Jesus stopped my car and saved my life that day. Amen. What do you do when you only have a split second before disaster strikes in your life? Is it your habit to pray? Is the first words that come out of your mouth. Are they words of prayer and desperation and crying out to God? Or maybe for you they might be cursing. Or maybe for you you're trying to figure out some way to solve the situation on your own. The first cause of Jonah's prayer was habit. He must have. He must have been a man of prayer because prayer was his first response. The Bible tells us about a man named Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 says that Daniel knelt down as usual. He knelt down as usual with his windows open toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day. But notice this next phrase, just as he had always done. The Bible also talks about the fact that Jesus was what was a man of prayer. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35 says that, that before daybreak, oh, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Before Jesus would talk to man, he would first talk to God. Let me ask you this this morning. If Jesus made prayer a priority, don't you think that that you ought to make prayer a priority? Don't you think I need to make prayer a priority? If Jesus, the son of the living God, if he knew his need for prayer, don't you think that we ought to realize our need as well? Here's what I've come to know, and that is our ministry in public will never be more powerful than our prayers are in private. Only when prayer becomes a habit, uh, uh, only then will prayer be the first thing out of our mouth, the, the first thing that we think of. It, only then will it be our first reaction, only when it is our habit to pray. And when a desperate situation arises, oh, oh and when we only have a split second to react, prayer might just be our only Not only was the cause of Jonah's prayer habit, but it was also helplessness. Helplessness was a cause of his prayer. Verse 2, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Now in verse number 1, it says that Jonah was in the belly of a great fish. Jonah calls it my great trouble. Well, duh. I would say... This was quite an understatement. Jonah is in a helpless situation. He's in the stomach of of a giant fish. Seaweed and intestines are wrapped around his head. He slushes around in the juices of what the fish had for breakfast. Sometimes we allow our lives to get out of control. And sometimes it's because of our own stupid mistakes. Sometimes it's not our mistake, but it is the mistake or the decision of somebody else. But regardless of, of whose fault it is, that's beside the point. The point is we feel helpless and totally out of control. When my car was sliding sideways toward the edge of the cliff, I was totally out of control. There was absolutely nothing that I could do to gain back control. So out of desperation, out of a total feeling of helplessness, I cried out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Maybe you're here today in your life it's spinning out of control. Oh, you feel desperate. Oh, you feel helpless. Oh, I want to admonish you this morning. Oh, cry out to Jesus today. Allow your helplessness to cause you to pray. Oh, allow it to draw you and, and, and cause you to invite Jesus into your situation. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Not only was the cause of Jonah's prayer habit and helplessness, it was also hopelessness. Verse 7 he said, and my life was slipping away. Jonah thought he's a goner, a goner. He literally felt his life slipping away. Oh, he feels totally hopeless. May I suggest today that human hope is limited? When the doctor says we've done all we can. When the court says no more appeals. When a spouse says I'm done with the marriage. I don't love you anymore. Human hope is limited. But hope in God is limitless. It's never too late for God. It doesn't matter How dire the situation or the circumstance. It is never too late for God. God never runs out of resources. He he never runs out of possibilities. He never runs out of power. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17 through 19 says God has bound himself with an oath. And he will never change his mind. And it is impossible for him to lie. And it says this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. And Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 says, God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and man has given you a bad report, and it is so bad that you feel utterly hopeless. I feel impressed of the Lord and compelled of the Holy Spirit this morning to speak hope to you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I declare hope to you this morning. And I command the limitless hope that is That is in Almighty God to surge through you right now. That faith will rise up in you right this very moment. Faith to believe that you will live and you will not die. Faith oh, that will resurrect your dead in marriage. Faith to keep believing for the salvation of that son or that daughter that is lost. A ray of hope to shine in your soul where hope has been vacant for such a long time. All right, we've talked a little bit about the cause of Jonah's prayer. Let's talk a little bit now about the content. Let's talk about the content of his prayer. and I, I think that the content of Jonah's prayer can be described with three words. The first word is groaning. Groaning. The dictionary says to groan means to moan. To cry, to whimper. As you read through Jonah's prayer, you definitely see some moaning, some crying, and some whimpering. Verse 2 again, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Now, now, Jonah is not the only person to groan in prayer. All you have to do is read through the Word, and all you have to do is read through the book of Psalms, and you'll see Plenty. Of groaning. For instance, Psalm 10 and 1, the psalmist prays he cries out, why, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why are you so far away? Why do you hide in my time of trouble? Psalm 42 and 3 says, Day and night I only have tears. Psalm 142, verse 1 through 4. The psalmist cries and he says, I cry out to the Lord. Oh, he says, I pour out my complaint to him and I tell him all of my trouble. Oh, my spirit is overwhelmed. No one helps me. No one cares anything about me. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that? Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Yes, I'll go eat worms. (laughs) We've all done our share of groaning and crying and complaining in prayer. And and guess what? God's a big boy. God God is big enough to handle it. It doesn't offend God, it doesn't make him angry. The Bible says God knows where we came from. He remembers we're nothing but a dirt clod. That's what the Bible says. He remembers we're just dust. I'll never forget a time in my life when I did more than my share of groaning. I'm sure some of my closest friends got tired of my moaning and my groaning. I'd made a bad decision. I was living with the consequences. I was very unhappy at that that time. And and more than once I cried out with tears. "I, I want my life back. You've been there? Amen. Oh, pastor, you've never... You know, yeah, you've got it all together. Everything's right for you. Everything's perfect for you. Nothing ever goes wrong for you. You never make a bad move. You never make a bad decision. I'm just like you. Amen. We're all in the process. We've all been there. Some of you are there right now. Not only did Jonah's prayer contain groaning, it also... Contained grappling. Now to grapple is to wrestle and struggle. Especially mentally. Trying to get your mind around something so that you can understand it. In verses 2 through 6, Jonah grapples. He tries to get his mind around all that is happening, happening to him at this moment. Oh, he tries to make sense of the storm and make sense of the, of the sea and, and, and make sense of the fact of where he's at in the belly of a fish. So he grapples. First, 3, he tells God, you cast me in the sea. Floods surround me, he says. In verse 5, he says, Weeds are wrapped around my head. In verse 6, he says, I'm in prison. He says, the gates are locked. I'm in here, and there's no way of getting out. And he grapples. And he tries to put some sense into it, and he tries to wrap his mind around it and his thoughts around it. He tries to get some understanding. Oh God, I disobeyed. I did, I did. But God, a a storm and a fish and and being swallowed alive in the the belly of a a fish? God, really? 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 God in this a bit extreme? I agree. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had to grapple about what God was sending your way or what at least God was allowing? Oh, the circumstances and the situations and the things that were coming at you from every, every, every way and every direction and you grapple and you, and, you, and you try to put your arms around and your mind around you trying to understand, God, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Have you ever said, really, God? Really? I don't, underst- I don't understand what's going on here, God. God, you don't have to be this extreme. You know, God, just just email me instructions. Message me on Facebook. God, I'll do whatever that you make plain to me. I just simply don't know what's going on here. I simply can't wrap my arms around this. I, I just can't get any understanding. God, just tell me what it is you want. Ever been there? If you've ever felt this way, you're not alone in your struggle. Romans chapter 11 verse 33 says, How great is God's wisdom and knowledge. It is impossible. It is what? It is impossible for us to understand His decisions and His ways. We're looking at the content of Jonah's prayer right now. Not only did did it contain groaning and grappling, but also it contained gratitude. Verse number 9, Jonah says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Let me tell you this morning that nothing is sweeter to the ears of God. Absolutely nothing captures the attention of God quicker than gratitude. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're not getting God's attention, maybe you're doing too much grumbling and not... You don't have enough gratitude. Because it's interesting to me that that, that the moment that Jonah... The moment Jonah stopped groaning and grappling, the moment he started praising and sacrificing thanksgiving and being grateful and thankful to God, the very next verse, verse 10 says, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry ground. I totally believe that thanksgiving is the secret ingredient to answered prayer. Whether you think I'm anything or not? doesn't really matter, but I'm going to tell you, I totally believe that where I'm at in my life and what I have in my life, the, one of the biggest things I attribute to that to is that I am a very grateful person. I am grateful. God is a good God. He's been good to me, and he's done more for me and given me more than I deserve. And I don't have the attitude. Give me more, because I deserve no more. No, no, no. I want to tell you that God has given me much more than I deserve, and much more than I'm worthy of. And I'm grateful today, and I'm thankful today for my family, my finances, his blessings, his anointing. Amen. I'm thankful God has been good to me, and I'm grateful today. And I refuse to look at the things I don't have and wish for them, rather, I rather choose to look at what I have and be grateful and thankful for what God has given. I'm telling you, I believe it. I personally believe that thanksgiving is the secret ingredient to answered prayer. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, See, Thanksgiving's not just supposed to be the fourth Thursday. Is it the fourth? (laughs) Thursday of November. Is it the fourth? Thanksgiving is not just the fourth Thursday of November. But Thanksgiving should be a daily, hourly thing we practice. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your request be made known Amen. unto God. I love the old story. <laughs> and I'm old enough now that the other day I was talking to some young people and I rattled off something I've heard all my life. They said, oh, that's good. How, can I, I want to repeat that. <laughs> I thought, that is so old, but you're so young. <laughs> I sound good. <laughs> but I love the old story that I've heard about the, the man that dis, was discouraged and he was blue and down and thinking God was picking on him and God wasn't, you know, blessing him and everybody else, God was better than everybody else. He just decided, I'm going I'm to backslide. I'm going to backslide. I'm just walking away from God. And he thought, you know what? I've been walking with God for a long time. You know, he said, I... Don't think it'd be right just to walk out on God without telling God goodbye. (laughs) So he got down on his knees. He said, God, I'm just going to tell you I'm backsliding. I've had it. Walking out on you. Don't like the way you've been doing things in my life lately. I'm I'm, I'm, leaving. I'm leaving. But I thought before I backslid and left, I, I, I thought, you know, I owe it to God. been walking with him for a long time. I should tell him goodbye. So, God, that's what I'm doing. I'm telling you goodbye. I'm leaving. He thought, he said, well, you know what, before I leave, he said, maybe I need to, hmm. He said, you know, now that I'm down here, I'm kind of remembering what things were like 25 years ago when you and I hooked up. I was an alcoholic. My wife had walked out on me and taken the kids. I lost my job and stumbled into a little country church one Sunday and heard the gospel story. And I got saved. And God not only did I get saved, but I got delivered. Haven't had a drop of liquor since. And while I'm thinking about it, I need to also remember that not only did you take the liquor away from me, but you you brought my wife back to me, God, and me and my wife reconciled and been reconciled for many years now. And I I've done some dumb and stupid and horrible things to my kids, and but but after you saved me, I brought them all in, and I, I apologized for being a drunk, and I apologized for the way that I'd treated them, the way I'd been hadn't been a good father to them. I asked them to forgive me, and they all forgave me, and you restored my entire family. And then you gave me a job. You gave me a job where nobody would hire me before, because everybody knew who I was and what I was like. Nobody, but now you gave me a job, and I've been work, working that job for a long time now. You know what, God? I think I've changed my mind. <laughs> Let me encourage you today: count your blessings, yes, amen. not your burdens. Count your blessing, not your burdens. Oh, all of us have burdens to bear and some have more burdens than others. But I promise you that if you are walking close to the Lord Jesus Christ, that not only do you have a few burdens to bear, but I want to tell you that the blessings of God far overshadow the burdens. All right, we've looked at the the cause of Jonah's prayer and the content of Jonah's prayer. Now let's finally, let's look at the conclusion. Jonah's prayer, verse 10, says the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. God answers prayer. That being said, but he doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer. He doesn't always answer the way we think he should. Honestly, God seldom answers my prayers the way I think he should. Seldom. Seldom answers prayer the way I want him to. You're going to get honesty here, that's for sure. I'm just telling you. But when all is said and done, I'm always glad he didn't give me what I asked for. And he didn't do what I thought he ought to do. You see, all I can see is the here and the now. All I know is how I feel. but I won't relieve. God doesn't just see the here and now. God sees yesterday, He sees today, He sees tomorrow. God doesn't just see how this will affect me today, but He he looks way out there in the future, and He knows if I answer this way, this, 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 and this is going to happen. If I do what He wants me to do or she wants me to do, this is going to be the effect way out here. And even though they're not going to like it, that I'm not doing it the way they want them to do it, but... I know out here they'll understand. See, all I have is a temporal perspective, but God has an eternal perspective. Let me just take about five minutes or so this morning and let's just talk a little bit about how God answers prayer. It's been my experience, and I'm using the word experience. It has been my experience that God answers prayer in one or more... Of four ways. Sometimes he says yes. You say, Pastor, when does God say yes? Well, to put it simply, and I need an hour for this, so how many are glad I'm not going to take an hour with this? (laughs) But to put it very simply, God says yes to our prayers when our prayers line up with his will for our life. That's when God says yes. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Did you get that? Amen. We're confident that he hears us whenever, whenever what? Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him and that is according to his will for us. When my prayer lines up with God's will for my life, God says yes. Simply put, when we pray and ask God for something that, that matches what he wants for us, he will say yes. Jesus said pray like this. Pray, pray, Father, your will be done on earth. Even as it is in heaven. Whose will? I have learned to pray, God, not what I want, but what you want. I said I've learned. I've learned to pray, God, help me to want what you want for me. Sometimes God says yes, but sometimes God says no. Don't, 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 don't tell the people in Tulsa, okay, don't don't tell the faith group, don't tell them, but God says no sometimes, he says no, James chapter 4 and verse 3, it says 5 and 3 in your notes, I gave it to to Pastor Clay wrong, it's actually James chapter 4 and verse 3, it says when you ask and don't receive, it's because, because what James? Jimmy says it's because your motives are wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. See, God doesn't say no to us because he's mad at us. He doesn't say no to us because because he likes to see us pout. He doesn't say no to us because he's unkind. He says no to us out of love. See, see, he knows what's best for us and he knows that what we're asking for is not what's best for us. Think about this this morning. When a mother gives her child a carrot instead of candy, is it because she doesn't love her child? No, it is because she does love her child. And the child will stomp their feet and... And, and, you know, whatever, and, you know, roll on the floor and all that. And, you know, if they do that, you pick them up and spank them, all right? Amen. <laughs> does she do it because she doesn't love it? No, she does not because she does love the child. She knows that although candy is what her child wants, candy is not what her child needs. She knows that carrot sticks are a whole lot more healthy than sugar sticks. And most Christians are still babies. Still toddlers. It's in this book. Paul said it. I'm just repeating Paul. He said, You big babies. He said, You ought to be teaching, and you can't teach because I got to teach you. It's what he told him. I think he was a bulldog. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes sometimes God says not now. See, here's what we need to understand what a whole lot of people don't understand and that is God's will and God's timing are two separate things. Well, God, you said, but he didn't say right now maybe. God's will and God's timing are two separate things. Sometimes what we ask God for fits within the boundaries of His will, but it's not in God's timing yet. God isn't isn't giving a definite no. He's saying not now. He's saying you're not ready yet. You will be ready for it someday, and when you are ready for it, I will give it to you. I'm not saying no to you. I'm just saying not now. This is going to happen for you. It will, but not right now. It's not my timing for you. Be patient. I'm not saying no, but because I love you. Because I love you. I'm not going to put that responsibility on you because you're not ready for it. You're not equipped to handle it. You're not prepared. When my, my grandfather died, Years ago, my grandma was a worker. She's always working. My grandpa was a, a part of the spit and whittle club. That's all I ever knew my grandpa would do. Spit his day's work tobacco in a can and whittle with his knife. It's the only memories I have of my grandpa. Spit and whittler. And when he died, they gave stuff to all the kids and all the grandkids. And, and Chad, our son, was just a little boy. And for whatever reason, he ended up with Grandpa Cosper's knife. And we told Chad, we said, now, son, you're too little. Do you know how old he was, hon? About four All right, son, here's Grandpa Cosper. Your your daddy's grandpa, that was your daddy's grandpa's knife, and that's pretty cool that you have that. Pretty cool. But you're not ready for it yet, so we're going to put it up. It's yours. It's not daddy's. It's not anybody. It's yours. It belongs to you, son. But you're too little, and you'll hurt yourself if we give you the knife. Now, it's yours, we're going to put it up. And when you get old enough, then we're going to give it to you and then you can decide if you want to carry it or, you know, put it away somewhere, what you want to do. But when you get old enough, we will, you know, it'll be in your possession. It's yours, but we're going to put it up. You're not ready for life. Fast forward, I don't know if it was days, weeks, months, I don't know. One day, Chad comes walking in from the backyard and he's bleeding all over. He had gone and gotten... Grandpa Cosper's knife and went out in the backyard and was whittling and he he cut his finger and he told his mama, he says, I guess you're right. I'm not ready for this yet. (laughs) Sometimes God doesn't say no, but he says you're not ready for it yet. I gave it to you, you'd hurt yourself. You're not ready. But when you're ready, I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. But just because it's not happening now doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's going to happen, but not now. The fourth way God answers prayer, he says, I have a better plan. Sometimes God says, I've got a better plan. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. Well, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Oh, oh! Let me tell you, friend. I want to close today? That after sixty years of living and after forty-two years in full-time ministry, I I can tell you that I'm glad that God doesn't always let me have my way. I'm glad He doesn't always say yes to my prayer. I'm going to tell you that I am just as grateful to God for all of the times when he says no. Or not now. Or I've got a better plan. As I am for the times when he says yes to my plan. Because I've discovered that God's plan is better than my plan. God's ways better than my way. One of my sayings, I not said it in a while, so I'll say it now. A God idea will work. A good idea will work you. God is a good God. He loves us. He has our best interest at heart. Oh, let me encourage you today. Trust Him. He knows what He is doing. Can we stand in His presence today? We're taking a journey through the book of Jonah. We've gone through the first two chapters next week. We'll look at page three. Father, I just pray today that, Lord, that you will take the word that has been shared today. Lord, not my little sermon that I put together, but God, I pray that, Lord, that that your word, your holy word, your powerful word, your life-changing word today will do its work every heart every life your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed just for a moment today I wonder maybe you're here today and you're like Jonah maybe you're like Jonah maybe you're running from God God said go here but you went there God said do this but you did that you've been running away from God today is your day Make an about face and say, I'm not going to run from God any longer. God, yes, I'll go where you told me to go. I'll do what you told me to do. I'll become what you want me to become. If that's you all over this room this morning, I'm running from God. But today's my last day. I've taken my last step away from God. I'm I'm, I'm returning uh, to the will of God this morning. Can I see your hand all over this room? Anyone in the room today? Lift it up really high. Thank you in the back. God bless you. How many others? I'm running from God today, and today's the day. I'm going to stop running. I'm going to stop running. All right, I wonder. Maybe you're here today, and you're like the gentleman that I gave the illustration that was about to backslide. You know, you just thought God wasn't being fair, and, you know, he wasn't really happy with some of the things God was doing in his life. And, but then when he began to reminisce about all that God had done in his life, he said, You know what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever thought of before. I'm not going to run away from God. I'm going to run right to God. Is that you this morning? You just need to to start counting your blessings instead of your burdens. How many of you this morning, you say, Pastor, I've been counting my burdens. I need to stop counting my burdens and start counting my blessings. Thank you. On the front, how many others? Thank you. In the back, the others in the back. How many others? In the back, on the other side, people lifting hands all over this room. Amen. Let's all come to the front this morning. Everyone, whether you raise your hand or not, come to the front this morning. We always, if at all possible, like to spend some time in the altar. In fact, everything that we do, everything we do leads to this time right now. To this time right now. And that is when we do something with what we've heard. We do something with what we've received. And I would encourage you today. I encourage, especially those of you that lifted your hand today. I, I want you today to take not only this step physically, but also I want you to, to do that in your heart. You that have been running from God, turn your heart back to God today. Those of you that have spent your times uh, looking at your burdens, begin to worship and praise God today. Begin to thank Him and bless Him and praise Him for His goodness and His blessing on your, on your life. Amen. I'm going to give you just a couple of moments, one-on-one time. Just you and God, we'll, we'll worship and we'll be gone in just a couple of moments this morning unless the Lord changes our plan, and we're open to that. But right now, just a couple of, just a couple of moments, just you and God, as you cement the Word, as you take what you've heard and, 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 and you think about it, you meditate upon it, and you decide what you're going to do with it, one-on-one, you and God right now.